0: Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today we're talking to one of our Admiral-level sponsors, Curtis Stokes of Curtis Stokes & Associates. And I asked Curtis to join me because there's been a thread going around in the forum that talked about tax on boats, all different kinds of tax. And it even morphed into, I believe, uh, tax on if you're working from your boat. Um, But Curtis has in the past done some seminars on uh, specifically the topic of sales and use tax on your boat. So I asked him to join me today so we could cover that in the podcast. Before we start, I want to take a minute to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Beneteau, Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Uh, Curtis Stokes, welcome back. Thanks for joining me again.
1: Thank you. Good to be here.
0: And uh, let me kind of preface this whole thing by saying neither Curtis nor I are tax attorneys. We are not accountants, lawyers, any of those kinds of things. Um, So a little disclaimer, this is just going to be the best of our knowledge in this discussion. And most of that knowledge will be coming from Curtis, not me. So with that out of the way, um, Curtis, I kind of mentioned in the opening that there had been a discussion forum thread on the sales and use tax. Um, So we're going to cover both of those. But I think even increasing the confusion is that some states also have uh, personal property tax on boats. So explain the difference between all these different types of taxes that possibly could apply to your boat depending on where it is.
1: Sure. And you're right. It does come up on the forum from time to time, and the latest being the Ohio Case, but uh, you have sales tax, prop, uh, sales tax, use tax, and property tax. Sales tax, of course, when you buy a boat. Use tax when you already own a boat uh, and you're bringing it into a, a new state, uh, and then uh, property tax, which is an annual tax charged by some states uh, on a certain percentage of the value of that boat.
0: Okay. Um. So let's talk about, let's start with the sales tax when you're buying a boat. Um, Tell us about how that's typically applied. You know, does it apply in the state that the boat was purchased or in the boat, the state you're registering it, if you're state registering? You know, how does somebody know what tax is going to be charged to them?
1: Maybe, possibly, (laughs) (laughs) you'll you'll notice I'll use uh, uh, qualifiers just like a lot of attorneys do to me. Uh, because it depends. and it really does. Uh, every as As others have said in the forum and elsewhere, every state is different. It's a constantly changing issue, and that's part of the reason vote u s removed that from their website, all that information that was discussed about you know each state, uh, because to keep that up and and keep your liability down uh, by keeping it current is very difficult. Uh, and I've even seen the same state without any changes become more aggressive or less aggressive. Uh, in their uh, approach to tax collection uh, on boats. So it really does depend. But sales tax is not based on where you buy the boat so much. It's uh, sales and use tax is based on where a boat is located and for how long. So I use the example quite often in seminars and in person. Uh, You buy a boat, let's say, in Delaware, and Delaware is a 0% sales tax state. You then move it to Maryland and you keep it there for more than, you know, 60 days. And suddenly you get uh, uh, information from Maryland that you owe sales tax. And you're like, well, wait a minute, or excise tax. Why you know, is that? Because you stayed there too long. And so they want to uh, collect their 5% excise tax from you. Now, if you had bought the boat in Florida and paid 6% and then moved to Maryland and kept it there too long, you could then show Maryland that you paid 6% tax to Florida, and there's reciprocity between the states. And so Maryland would recognize that and not charge you. But in Ohio, you could see the example of Ohio 6%, Florida 6%, but there was a county tax, and so that was 0.75%. So they charged that gentleman the extra amount. Uh, So if you took the Maryland Florida uh, example, and reversed it, if you paid 5% Maryland, Florida would eventually catch up with you and say, we want 1% from you. Uh, but every state is slightly different in that regard. So it, but the bottom line is that it depends on where the boat is located and for how long, rather than, you know, you bought the boat in Maryland. Well, just because you bought the boat in Maryland doesn't necessarily mean you owe sales tax there, or again, excise tax, uh because you could do say a B110 form declaring that your primary use is somewhere else and you're going to remove the boat within a certain number of days and uh not uh, uh expose it to Maryland uh, excise tax and the same in Florida you know they each state has its different rules for legally avoiding sales tax and use tax uh and even property tax if you follow them properly
0: So that's a great explanation, Curtis. Um, For most loopers, um, you know, is it possible because you're, again, there's no right way to do the loop, but if you're doing in in that kind of traditional one-year schedule, roughly, where you're pretty regularly on the move, is it possible to do the loop, you know, buy a boat, do the loop, and not end up paying the sales or excise tax legally?
1: Yes. Um, in my non-attorney, non-accountant advice, uh, from my experience and from my client's experience, it is legally possible to avoid paying sales and use and property tax as long as you're not staying in any one particular state too long. And the typical looper who's doing the, the loop full-time in a year uh, avoids that legally. Uh, now, if you're a Florida resident and you buy the boat in Florida and do the great loop, that doesn't mean you're not going to pay sales tax you are because you're a resident there, whether you uh you know, keep the boat there long term or not, so everything has a qualifier you know it, it you can't the the information on the forums is well meaning but oftentimes isn't the whole story and that's what I caution everybody that I deal with on is don't base your purchase on what I tell you or what this forum tells you. Uh, or anyone else, go to a, a tax attorney or a, an accountant and, and or an accountant and get their advice properly. Uh, someone also mentioned, I think in part of the forum, about contacting the different uh, state registries. And I've often found that you will get mixed information. If you call the call center and get just uh, someone who's new, they may not give you the proper advice uh, but if you get a more seasoned person, they will give you very good advice. Uh, it's almost better to go in person where it's physically possible and talk with someone. Uh, I know that's a real hassle, but over the phone, a good example is I had a, a dispute with Florida over sales tax collection, uh, where Florida has a crazy role that we have to uh, collect after collecting so much sales tax uh, each year, we have to do an estimated payment, whether we've collected tax or not, which is you know a huge number. And so I called numerous times trying to get to the bottom of it. And the one guy at the call center said to me, well, just make up a number. I'm like, what do you mean make up a number? He goes, just make a number up and put it on your tax collection form <laughs> and that'll take care of it. And that was someone at the tax, the Department of Revenue telling me that. Yikes. So- You know, again, my my point is that don't believe everything you hear. You really need professional advice on this stuff if it's important to you, because uh, it's all well-meaning, but it may not always be correct.
0: Right. Um, And you're absolutely right that uh, the regulations do change, um, and the thread in the forum Originated with someone who had an issue because they had left the boat in Ohio for I think it was more than sixty days, which is uh, what triggered the taxes. Um, and there were some calls based on that in the forum for AGLCA to compile a list of the regulations by each state. And that's something you know I certainly don't feel like we're qualified to do. But besides <laughs> the initial time investment in creating that, it changes. And as you mentioned, um, Boat US used to actually have that on their website. It's no longer there, and I have spoken with their director of regulatory affairs, um, and I had to giggle a little bit because I think this was uh, Monday, right after Friday and over the weekend, a bunch of people in our forum were, you know, discussing where do they find it on the BoatUS site, and where did it go, and how do they find it, and uh, he kind of said to me, I figured there was something going on on somebody's forum because I got a lot of calls and voicemails over the weekend regarding (laughs) this, where did that go? Um, So, based on that, he actually did commit to updating it. He didn't give us a time frame. Um, You know, basically, it's something that he had somebody work on and let it fall by the wayside because it was difficult and time consuming to update. But he uh, did commit to working on that again. So, hopefully, at some point in the future, we'll see that on their website again. And even if that does reemerge, I would certainly suggest, you know, confirming that yourself if you're considering keeping the boat in a specific state for an extended period of time. Um, But for those who wanted AGLCA to put that together, for most loopers, uh, as Curtis said, you're not really spending enough time in most of these states for anything like that to trigger. And, um, you know, Ohio really is more of a side trip for most people anyway. Um, So even if we did undertake that, I'm not sure we would have picked up the Ohio um, issue. So, Every state's different, and with that in mind, Curtis, are there any states that have tax rules that are advantageous to loopers? Uh, any that have, you know, tax rules that are absolutely horrible, and people should make sure they're out of in time, or, or is it just kind of an even blanket across?
1: No, there are states that are more tax friendly than other states. Uh, I guess the the number one state that comes to mind as unfriendly is California. And there are Californians that have horror stories of buying boats uh, and documenting them with the U.S. Coast Guard in their personal name and personal address back in California and getting uh, a nasty surprise in the mail from California collecting, you know, claiming to, uh, that they owed tax. And California is probably the most aggressive state on that. Then they, they have to fight it forever to get them off their back. And that comes back to documentation and registration. A lot of people uh, say, well, I'm going to form a Delaware LLC to own my boat and not pay sales tax. And that is not true. Uh, Again, it's not how you own the boat. It's where the boat is located and for how long. And so uh, you could form that Delaware LLC if you were, say, a Californian buying a boat to do the Great Loop because the, the U.S. Coast Guard when you document a boat, sends a notice to your state of residency that you have bought a boat. So they send it to Delaware saying ABC LLC has just bought a boat, and Delaware doesn't care because they don't have a sales tax. Whereas if it's uh, John Doe from San Francisco, California, uh, California is going to notify you that you you bought a boat, so therefore you owe us tax. Uh, so that's why a lot of people will form an LLC in a state that has 0% sales tax, either naively or on purpose to keep their name off the boat for, you know, liability and poor tax issues, uh, just to, to avoid the hassle, not to try to escape tax, uh, you know, that they legitimately owe. So there's, there's, you know, that there are states like, um, Florida, if you can believe it, is actually fairly uh, friendly with uh, out-of-state buyers by giving them a sales tax exemption affidavit when they buy a boat through a licensed dealer uh, that they can get 10, 90, or 180 days exemption. But then they do have to keep the boat out of Florida for six months and register it with another state uh, for that six months. Uh there are other states that aren't as lenient. There are other states that have changed recently, like North Carolina. You know, used to every January first, the dockmasters would report who are in their marinas, and it was always a joke because everyone would, uh, a lot of people would leave the marina on New Year's Eve, and then come back afterwards. Well, now North Carolina is looking at the uh, seasonal and annual slip rentals and getting that information and sending tax bills out on that. So like you said previously, it's constantly changing as some states figure out better ways to chase people for taxes. Um, There are some states that have always been known as being pretty lax about tax collection until someone complains. So, you know, there's always the famous story in Charleston of all the big mega yachts sitting there and the one guy that had a tax issue. So he turned everybody else in and suddenly these big mega yachts got tax bills. Uh, Alabama, you know, only charges 2%. And a lot of people will keep their vote in, say, Alabama that are from Tennessee and elsewhere because they don't get hassled as much. That could change any day. Uh, it could just you know, be one person who makes an issue of it. So uh, it's a constantly changing environment that you have to stay on top of uh, if it's
0: important to you. Yeah, and I do want to clarify a little bit because it is confusing. Um, And we've been talking a lot about sales and excise tax, which you're going to pay when you purchase the boat. Uh, But some states uh, do have recurring annual taxes, like the the mega yacht you mentioned in South Carolina. Our law here says that you pay personal property tax on a boat kept in the state for more than six months. So it's regardless of your place of residence, regardless of where the boat is registered, regardless of whether it's a documented vessel – If that boat is in Charleston, or I'm sorry, in the waters of South Carolina for more than six months of the year, taxes are due. Um, And that had been ignored for years until the incident that Curtis is talking about. So are there other states, Curtis, that you're aware of that have that kind of recurring tax, an annual tax that people are going to want to be careful about how long they leave their boat there? Um, You know, certainly if you have a lot of repairs and are going to take a break from the loop, South Carolina might not be the best place to leave it because you could start to incur taxes after six months. So are there other states like that?
1: Sure. Uh, North Carolina, I mentioned, uh, and then Virginia, it's county by county. Uh, Certain counties don't have their county property tax, others do. And there there are idiosyncrasies across the board. So uh, another crazy example is that in uh, Middlesex County, where Deltaville, Virginia is, Uh, we have an office there, and they charge a personal property tax. But if it's listed, if your boat is listed with a yacht broker, you're excluded from that. So, and then the county next to it doesn't have any uh, county tax. Uh, So it can be very confusing, and you do have to stay on top of it. uh, And you do have to take that into account as to where you store your boat or uh, have any work done. And a good rule for that is to first check with the dockmaster or the owner of the boatyard or marina because they're often right on top of what their tax reporting requirements are. Again, they're not lawyers, they're not accountants, but that's the first step. And if they tell you that, yes, on this date, I'm reporting every single boat that's in this marina or boatyard, well, you can pretty much guarantee that's going to happen. And you know, if you're there, you're going to be caught up in that uh, unless they know of some exclusion and they tell you that. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's everywhere. Like in Florida, you can file, uh, when you purchase a boat and you want to have work done on it, you can get, uh, you can be exempt while the work is done. And then you have 20 days to remove the boat, but you only have 20 days to remove the boat after the repairs are done. And there is no gross grace period. And you can't change that exemption to a 90 day or 180 day exemption as one of my clients found out. So uh, some things they're liberal about and some things they're very, very strict about. Right.
0: Let's take a break here and play a message from one of our sponsors. Uh, we'll jump back into the conversation after the break. Winter Harbor Marina is located on the Oneida River, 1.5 miles west of Oneida Lake in Brewerton, New York, just minutes from Syracuse International Airport. Winter Harbor offers the lowest diesel fuel and gas prices from New York City to Canada. If you find a lower posted documented price, they will match it. Their amenities include complimentary courtesy vehicle, 24-hour pay-at-the-pump fueling, dockside water and cable TV, pristine bathrooms and showers, and emergency haul-out service. For more information, call 315-676-9276 or visit www.winterharborllc.com. Winter Harbor is a proud commander sponsor of AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Curtis Stokes of Curtis Stokes & Associates. And uh, Curtis, you've been uh, sponsoring us for so long that I think I jumped right into this without really even asking you to introduce yourself a bit to listeners maybe who are new to us. So why don't you share a little bit about yourself and uh, Curtis Stokes & Associates?
1: Okay, well, sorry about that. I didn't bring that up. But yes, I... I've been a yacht broker for many years. I was uh, a yacht captain on mega yachts prior to that and went, uh, circumnavigated the world two and a half times and had a 3,000-ton uh, all-oceans uh, master's uh, license in the U.S., U.K. and Cayman Islands, and just have been around boats all my life, uh, either professionally or personally, uh, and the proud owner of 16 boats that I keep reminding uh, Jill, my wife, about uh, uh, at the moment, so I do have an obsession with them. Uh, but you know, even I have a hard time keeping up with all the rules and regulations uh, and have to ask for advice here and there uh, just to, to keep our advice you know, on, on uh, line with our, what's really out there. But we've got uh, nine offices and 47 brokers around the country, mainly around the Great Loop. And we just try to specialize in the Great Loop in helping people buy and sell boats for the Great Loop. Uh, and uh, try to stay on top of all the issues that are facing people, trying to just go out and enjoy their boat ride you know, around the Great Loop.
0: Yeah, and that is much appreciated. There are two things that you mentioned already in the conversation that were kind of uh, bonuses for people that they may not realize if they're listing a boat and choose to list it with a broker. And one you mentioned, I believe, was in your Deltaville office, um, and one was in Florida. So can you go into a little bit about those two things? Because I know I get asked all the time, you know, should people sell by owner or should they go to a broker? And those are two pluses to go into a broker. So can you share those with us again?
1: Those are pretty specific to those areas. Uh, I'm not aware of any tax benefits outside of those. Uh, We do have states like in North Carolina where, as long as we don't own the boat uh, as a dealer, that we're just a broker in the transaction, we don't have to report the sale to the state and it's left up to the buyer to register their boat uh, and and pay any tax due. Uh, whereas other states, they're adamant that we have to register every sale and collect tax on it or some type of exemption form uh, whatsoever. But yeah you know, we are dealing with surveys every day. I just came from Stewart, Florida, on a survey, and we're dealing with uh, you know, documentation companies and finance companies. And so just like a real estate broker, we're we're involved in this day in and day out process, and even we learn new things as they change or you know, uh, new opportunities come up. And so a broker who is active in the business like that can really give good initial advice uh, until someone needs more professional advice like an attorney or accountant. Uh, But just on the sales side and the buying side, we can walk people through the process uh, a lot better than someone trying to do it on their own. The biggest thing I see, uh, the catch there, is when someone even goes through a broker and they don't hire a documentation firm. Uh, they you know look at the cost of it two hundred and some dollars for state registration, five to six hundred and fifty dollars for u s documentation, and they think, "Well, I can do this on my own, and people get on the forum and advise them they can do it on their own and We have a lot of new people to voting, and they decide to try it and it just is it's horrible to see what goes on down the road. I see a half dozen deals a year where someone did their own documentation. And didn't know there was a mistake, and it comes back to haunt them when they go to sell the boat. To me, it is worth every cent of a documentation company's help in doing it right. I have witnessed documentation agents catching liens on boats at the Coast Guard that were paid off years ago, and the seller didn't know about or forgot about, and that lien follows the boat, it doesn't stay with the previous owner. And so the amount of paperwork chasing for a bank that doesn't exist anymore, that was bought up by three different banks uh, over time, and it's a real mess at times. So I encourage people to, whether you buy a boat through a broker or buy it directly from an owner, hire a documentation firm. If it's complicated, hire a maritime attorney, not your real estate attorney or your divorce attorney but a documentation agent or a maritime attorney to handle it for you. And speaking of maritime attorneys, I was not at Trawler Fest. I don't attend Trawler Fest these days, but um, several people have called me about a maritime attorney that gave a seminar there about, uh, he, and I'm getting this secondhand, but apparently doing the Great Loop, buying a boat, doing the loop and and cruising in general and it's my understanding he advised that everyone should be forming an offshore corporation. And it just so happened that he could form these offshore corporations for anyone for a lot of money. And I was astounded, uh, maybe not astounded, because I know the attorney and i I'm, I'm, he, he's not the first one I would ever call. Um, I just was really upset that that type of advice is being given to people. And I know there were loopers that were there and heard this. And we're very confused and concerned about, you know, having to form an offshore corporation. That is absolute rubbish and should not be, you know, uh, advised. So
0: if anyone was
1: there and they're listening now, just ignore all that and go find a competent maritime attorney who will give you proper advice uh, or at least start out with people who, you know, are going to guide you in the right direction uh, starting out.
0: And that's great advice. I hadn't heard that, but um, that that was presented at Trawler Fest. Um, I was only there for a brief amount of time, but, yeah, I've never heard of somebody forming an offshore corporation to do the loop, so very interesting. Um, And it just goes to show that Curtis's advice on hiring the right experts throughout the boat buying process is really important, Um, you know, whether that be uh, for the documentation portion to make sure you've got the taxes right uh, for insurance, and it really starts with uh, having the help like someone like Curtis, who can guide you through the process and tell you when you need to bring in these experts or recommend that this might be a good time that, you know, it's gotten a little more complicated than the standard deal. And maybe it's time to call in some additional expertise. So, um, Curtis, you're joining us, uh, next week at the fall rendezvous. We're excited about it. Hope hope you're excited to join us again. Um, uh, gosh, this is probably your 10th or 11th fall rendezvous with us.
1: I've lost track because I don't (laughs) like to keep track of things that, you know, show my age, uh, you know, so. uh, Yeah, you are me both. we've been to a few.
0: (laughs) It's been a few. (laughs) No, but
1: the Fall Rendezvous is a a great venue and we'll be in our same corner and uh, looking forward to the Looper Crawl especially. Uh, But uh, Joe Wheeler is a great venue and uh, and there'll be some great seminars there. So if anyone's on the fence about attending. I, how is your backup or your uh, waiting list? Is it? Uh, yeah, we have open? actually
0: we have gotten more cancellations than usual. Um, I think in part because of the lock closures. We've had several people with health issues and mechanical issues. So we actually did reopen registration. Um, at this point, there is room available. We've closed registration online primarily because we need to make sure we can control the head count so that the facility can handle the final number we've given them. But if there is anybody who is still interested in attending, um, we can check whether we can accept a last-minute registration based on when you reach out to us. So if you have that need, uh, give Julie Shea a call. She is at 843 879 5042, and she can let you know whether we can slide you in last minute. Um, If you cannot attend the whole thing but would like to come to the Looper Crawls, it is members only, so you do need to join AGLCA. but there are tickets available on our website for the Looper Crawls, or you can purchase them on site. And beyond the fall rendezvous, shortly after that, uh, Curtis is joining us for a seminar, uh, Great Loop Cruising, a guide to the looper lifestyle, and that is happening in Arlington, I believe it is, Illinois, right outside of Chicago, the, uh, in early November, and that registration is open on our website. Uh, Curtis will be presenting on the whole boat buying process there, and that event is actually, uh, and I don't think I've shared this with you yet, Curtis, but that's going to be a big one. I think it'll be the biggest looper lifestyle we've had yet. Um, I've had wow. to expand the the MAX with the facility. They've moved us into bigger rooms twice at this point. We are at 130-plus registrations for that event. Perfect. Um so if you had heard that that was sold out, it was, and then we were able to get a bigger room from the facility. So that's kind of an introductory seminar for the Great Loop. Um, it kind of can help you decide uh, whether this is for you, and if you're already sure it's for you and are just doing your planning and fact-finding, it's a great place to start. So that's under the Events tab on our website. Uh, Curtis Stokes, thank you for joining us today. I look forward to seeing you in person next week.
1: Sounds great. Looking forward to seeing everyone there. And uh Thank you very much. Yeah,
0: and to our listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising.